Sister Miriam Heidland, nationally known inspirational speaker, recently spoke at St. Peter Cathedral in Marquette as part of the Charismatic Retreat. She spoke on five separate occasions on May 23rd and 24th on the topic of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, you'll hear part four of the series, Sister Miriam Heidland. You guys have been troopers, I want to say. Does anybody feel like they're having open heart surgery? Anybody? Because that happens a lot. People come up to me, they're like, sister, this is awesome, but I'm like having open heart surgery. <laughs> and so I just want to say, I, I, know it's, I know these are deep places. And I want to, like I said, I really want to honor that. And just to let you know that. So you have full permission just to stay wherever you need to stay today. I, I have one more talk for you, if that's okay. If you can you just kind of receive something more. But... Um, really what I'm doing is I'm building tools for you so tomorrow this will all make sense, okay? So we're going to these deep places because once we learn how to live in the deeper places of our hearts, what happens is, is that many times these places have been clogged, right? Like arteries or anything else like your, you know, plumbing. Sometimes plumbing gets clogged and so what happens is, I, I recently was listening to the story of this woman that I know and um, they had a spare bathroom and so it was like in their guest room and the toilet hadn't been working like for years and I don't know what happened like they called a plumber and he couldn't figure out and then the kids got busy and that toilet just didn't work for years <laughs> and they were like oh sorry that you just can't use that bathroom and they just got used to it after a while you know and it's like y'all have a whole bathroom you can't even use because you haven't called a plumber and I think sometimes in our life we we do that we have like these clogged arteries and we're like, eh, I'll just kind of manage over here. And, and we're really good at managing, but Jesus Christ didn't come to earth and suffer for us so we could manage. He came so that we could have life to the full, right? Amen. Amen. So it's the deeper places. So one of the things that um, we're doing is we're kind of helping you unplug some certain things that maybe have been stuck for a while. And, and that's okay. So just to, you know, understand in your heart and you might find that your heart is tender or there's certain parts of your heart that are just like, oh, I just need a rest. You go right ahead. You just go right ahead. And so what we'll be able to do is that, you know, after tomorrow morning, we're going to talk about you know, living in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and what the Lord does through that. But the beautiful thing is that everything you and I did today, the meditation from last night was an Emmaus meditation. Like the meditation today of taking your mama to the foot of the cross, and I'm going to expand upon that today. Just the meditation of, of holding out in your hands and whatever the Lord wants to do, you can do that at any time. At any time. And this is something in my own life that I often do when I find myself getting disturbed or I find myself in a place where I'm not you know, even breathing deeply or I'm, I'm worried about something else or I'm distracted. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit will just say, let's just stop right here. And let's just, let's just talk about what's happening, okay? So the beautiful thing is that however you've lived your life up until this very moment doesn't have to continue. <laughs> it doesn't. Like there are new things that you and I get to learn every single day that we can allow the Lord to come and transform us, okay? So just helping you build puzzle pieces so that when um, what that happens is it doesn't just remain a talk. It, it becomes, if you wish it to, part of your life. And so the deeper places. And so what we find is that the deeper we go into these places in our hearts, the more powerful the Holy Spirit can come to be birthed in us. Because Christ is present in us. And so we can imagine if our plumbing is clogged, it's gonna have, we're going to have a hard time allowing the Holy Spirit to come into the deeper places. But if we can just surrender, 
and just let him come and speak. And he's just very gentle. And have him massage these places or open the pipe and kind of extract what's happening. You might be amazed at what you've been carrying your whole life and you had no idea that you were carrying it. Have you ever, like, when you got to the grocery store and you're carrying bags home from the grocery store, or if maybe you're carrying your grandkid or your child on your hip, and you've been carrying them for a while, and you just get kind of used to it? After a while, you set it down, and you're like, oh my gosh, or you have a, back, a backpack, and you're like, that was heavy. I had no idea how heavy that was, you know? And a lot of times, we're carrying these things emotionally, spiritually, physically. We're, we're carrying so much in our life that weighs us down. And so what these things are doing, what we're allowing what, to happen, my dear friends, is that we're getting to the, the foundations, we're getting to the roots, right? So he can come and reorder the foundation so that then our hearts are free to breathe, right? And we're free to live into the fullness of, of who we are. So that's kind of, just to let you know, that's kind of what we're doing. So what I'm doing is not arbitrary either. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of an excavation. And um, I just thought what I would do just to start out is just to tell you a little bit about my religious community because sometimes people look at me and they're like, what's that thing on your heart there? What, what's happening here? And why do you wear gray? And so I was telling the sisters I love that they wear gray as well. But uh, it's a funny story. I was at a parish mission many years ago, and I was waiting in the back of the parish mission. I was waiting in the back of the church to speak after Mass. And it was one of the little girls. I had never seen her before, but she was, it was Easter season, and she was probably about eight years old. And she had a beautiful green, like, jewel-colored Easter dress on. And she was so lovely, and she had bows in her hair. And I was just standing in the back waiting, and just, she caught my attention. So I was just smiling at her, and she ran up to me, and she's like, oh, are you a nun? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. And she's like, why do you wear gray? Gray's really boring. <laughs> said the jewel-colored girl. I was like, that. I just laughed. I'm like, it is kind of boring, isn't it? Like, <laughs> so that's kind of the point. So... <laughs> But just to let you know, so I'm a member of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. That's a very long name, but our, our initials are SOL, S-O-L-T. You may have heard of some of the members of our community. Our closest mission to you would probably be Detroit. Our, our men go to Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, and we have, a, we have a parish there in Mexican town, and we also have a convent there. We just opened a convent um, a few years ago, so we have a full thriving mission in Detroit. We also have missions here in the U.S., but our, we're a brand new community. We were founded in 1958. And our founder, uh, Father James Flanagan, not the Boys Town uh, James Flanagan, but our founder, Father Flanagan, just passed away like five years ago. So we have been living in the time of our founder, which has been very interesting. I mean, you think of like the Franciscans living in the time of St. Francis or St. Don. I mean, just interesting, like the, the phases that a community passes through. And so we serve in teams of priests, sisters, and laity. So we don't serve any places that our priests are not. So we'll go, so if we came to your parish here, we, we go wherever our priests are. So we serve together in teams and we serve in what we call areas of deepest apostolic need. So the bishop will have a need in his diocese, and um, we will fulfill that need. So we serve in a lot of very poor places, a lot of very rural places. Uh, I, like I said, I live in Corpus Christi, Texas. That's where our headquarters are. So I'm, a, I'm an assistant to my general superior. That's why I, I live down there, is I have an administrative position in the community. And so we have four parishes there that are mostly in the projects, and we have a retreat center and things like that. So we just serve. And so one of the reasons why we wear gray is um, it's a sign that our community will never be powerful or influential. We'll always be in the background. And so gray is boring, like that little girl said. It's boring on purpose because it blends into the background, but it makes all the other colors more vibrant, right? So our community will always be a community of service and in humility. We'll never be influential or, you know, well-known. We'll always be humble servants. I'm like, it's not a bad place to start, right? <laughs> it's not a bad place to start. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about today, just my last talk for this afternoon, is I want to speak to you 
about forgiveness. Yes, dear. Oh, yes, thank you so much. I, I, I referenced that. Um, this is the crest of our community, so it's the Trinity. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so it's the Trinity, the symbol of the Trinity. Um, it's not the Olympic rings or anything like that. People have some, they're not really quite sure. But this is the crest of our community, and this is given to you when you make your final vows. So in the final vow ceremony, this is gifted to you. And so it's a sign that, it was sisters that we wear for mass and for feast days and special occasions, and you're a special occasion, so that's why I'm wearing it. And so it's a sign of that, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that, yeah. So I wanted to just kind of bring you on a little bit of a journey through uh, forgiveness. And this is one of the main, uh, the one, one of the main artery cloggers, let's just be very honest in our life, are, are areas of unforgiveness, okay? And so I know when I first um, was learning about forgiveness and kind of I had a, a bit of a conversion myself in religious life on a number of levels, but it had to do with the very reality of forgiveness because I can tell you this, one of the things that kept me so sick emotionally and physically and for so long is that I had a very profound misunderstanding of what forgiveness was. I thought forgiveness meant that if I really forgive you, like really the deep stuff, I'm not talking about like the little stuff, but if I, if I forgive you and you really hurt me and you're not sorry, and if I forgive you, it means I'm gonna let you off the hook. Or that what you did didn't matter to me. Or that God doesn't care. And those things were so deep in my heart what happened is, is I had a whole formulation around those things or that I for thought forgiveness was just words. So I would say to somebody, I forgive you, but my heart was still angry for years. And so I didn't understand what was happening in my heart and in my soul. And what I found out, which I'll tell you in a few minutes, is that I had a profound encounter with Jesus Christ in the area of forgiveness. And the Lord spoke to me of my heart. So just this whole time with you is just an invitation just an invitation uh, for you to encounter the Lord in your heart. And, and let's just be open and very honest about whatever the Lord wants to bring to your heart during this time, okay? Because like we said, the Lord works in fragments. He works with the fragments of our hearts to bring us into communion. And every single thing that you've been through in your life has had a profound impact, and it has something to do with what is happening as you're sitting here today. So what you can receive today is because of all the beautiful things that you've received in the past. And sometimes we think that, oh, if a person comes to your heart again, and you're like, that person again? And sometimes our temptation is to say, well, maybe I didn't really forgive. But that's actually not true. The truth is that Jesus loves us so much, and he desires our freedom so much, he will continue to revisit the most tender places of our heart to bring us into freedom and communion. I often liken it like this. Our hearts, I really believe our hearts are like a diamond. And, and, and a diamond, a beautifully cut diamond has many facets. And one of my friends just got engaged and she had to FaceTime me and show me her ring. She's like, look, sister, look, look at this. You know, this, there's no diamond here, I'm a nun. But like, you know, she was showing me, she's like, look at this, look at this. And it was like this massive, you know, diamond that her fiance had just given her and it was sparkling so beautifully in the sunlight. And it sparkles because it has many facets cut into it. And I really believe our hearts are just like that. That your heart is not all or nothing. That your heart is so beautiful and has so many facets to it. And that Jesus loves you so much that he will, with great kindness, visit every single facet of your heart to bring you into communion. 
So even if today, as we go through this time together, and you find that the Lord brings something to your mind where you feel like it's the same thing, I promise you, it's not the same thing. It's just maybe another level the Lord wants to free you, to set you free, to love you, to bless you. So would that we would allow him to do that, okay? So you and I know, especially as Catholics, I think you and I know the power of forgiveness, and we talk about the sacrament of reconciliation, and we know that of all the things the Lord said, it's very interesting that when the disciples go to Jesus and they say, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray, like, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And you think of how Christ never wastes words. The word of God does not waste words. Jesus never said anything superfluous or flowery or unimportant. Every word that he said was living and effective because it comes from God. It's the spirit of God. It's living and effective. It has the power to transform. And his words are never arbitrary, nor are they wasted. So it's very interesting to think of how he taught them how to pray. And we know that very well. We call it the Our Father. And we pray it probably every day, sometimes many times a day. And I think like anything else in life, it's kind of easy to run through that. And what we don't understand is that at the heart of that prayer, so not just the prayer, but at the heart of the prayer, Jesus says a couple things about forgiveness, which I think he's trying to tell us something. And we know that very well. He says, you know, Father, forgive us our trespasses as what? As we Do we have any idea what we're saying there? Holy cow. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So what the Lord is doing is he's speaking something very deep into our heart. And that's at the heart of the Our Father. At the heart. And C.S. Lewis, you know, I've mentioned C.S. Lewis before, a wonderful British author who's, like I said, is very famous for writing the Chronicles of Narnia and some other works, but he has so many wonderful sermons and so many wonderful, just such a prolific mind and author, but he has a quote that says, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, okay? Which is why when you're talking to your friend and you're saying to her, I just can't believe that, you know, you should forgive that person. Look at you, you're all angry, and she looks at you and is like, well, why don't you forgive your Aunt Sally? And we're like, well, we're not talking about me, we're talking about you right now, so you should really forgive that person, you know? Because it gets very personal very quickly, and I would, I would offer to you that one of the reasons why I think it's such a struggle for us is because we have some, not only the pain of it is deep, but it's also because we have some kind of misunderstandings of what forgiveness is. So if I'm just going to give you just kind of very brief overview of what's happening in your heart to help you understand what's going on, okay? So for example, if you were to think of one person in your life right now, okay, who's hurt you very deeply. And maybe this is somebody that you've had a chance to speak to. Maybe it's something from the past. Maybe it's something as a child. Whatever that is. But if you think of somebody, okay, that comes into your heart right now, which we all have, myself included, who has hurt you very deeply, and the situation is still not resolved, okay? So, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I forgave them a long time ago. I'm over that. That usually is just a cover for so many things, okay? So whatever person right now is coming to your heart. I just want to tell you first and foremost there's a reason why you're feeling what you're feeling in your heart right now. There's a good reason why. There's a reason why your heart might feel numb, or your heart might feel rageful, or your heart might feel sad, or your heart might be in pain, or your heart might be confused. Your emotions, like everything else in life, are not arbitrary. So when you think of certain, a certain person, or maybe at family gatherings, or maybe as you kind of take scope of your life, when certain people come into your mind and you want to push them away, 
I just want to tell you that there's a good reason why. And it's probably because your heart has been broken. And sometimes what we do, especially as adults, my dear friends, just I want to, I'm going to speak to your heart here. Many times what we do is we stop it right there and we say, I really need to get over this. Or we say to ourselves, that was such a long time ago, this is so stupid. Or somebody else comes to us and talks about their sorrow and we can't handle their emotions, so we tell them what to do and we try to push them out of their grief. It's all because what's happening in our heart is overwhelming to us at times and we don't know what to do about it. So I want to say to you first and foremost that the emotions that God gave you, emotions are part of being a good and healthy and holy human being. You've been given an intellect, you've been given a will, you've been given passions, appetites, emotions. And that root word emote actually means to move. So what emotions are, are ideally called to do when they're healed is they power us for us to be able to choose what is good, true, and beautiful. Right? So the intellect is ordered toward truth, the will is ordered toward the good, and emotions are given to us to bring us, to power us, to move us along the path of what is good, true, and beautiful. St. Thomas Aquinas said every single emotion, even hatred and disgust, have to do with love. So it's either an absence of love, a loss of love, a desire to see love born, all, joy, everything, joy, beauty, hope, everything has to do, is centered around love. So I would, I would imagine that in your heart right now, as you think of that person and how they've hurt you, usually there's an area where they haven't loved you well. They weren't able to. And they either did not give you the good things that you needed, or they inflicted things upon you that should have never happened. Okay. And so what happens in our hearts right there is that there's this whole symphony of things going on. And I, I give a talk very similar to this the second night of my parish mission, and I was at a parish mission a couple years ago, and uh, the third night, uh, my last night of the mission, this man came up to me, and he was a, a little bit older than I was, and he came up to me a little condescending, and he came up to me and he was like, Sister, that was a great talk on forgiveness last night. I was like, oh. You, sir. He's like, yeah, I just, um, I don't have anybody to forgive, but that was really good that you did that. And I said, oh, well, well, tell me about that. That's very interesting. And then he said this, and I'm not making fun of him. I'm not, he, verbatim, he said this, yeah. He said, I just have um, people in my life that I don't like, and so I just merely avoid them. And I said, oh, oh, do, oh, do tell. Like, tell me that story, because <laughs> I would love to hear that. And he said, no, there are people that are in my family there's races of people, there's classes of people and groups of people that I don't like, so I just simply avoid them. I said, wow, sir. <laughs> wow. I said, um, yeah, you know what? You might really want to take a look at that. You might really want to ask Jesus about that part of your heart, you know? And he's like, yeah, whatever, and he walked away like this. <laughs> was like, but I wonder in my life, in our lives, how many people that, and I'm not talking about relationships that are too broken to, to be in, because there are some people in our life that just, they need to be set aside for a while and the Lord can take care of them and it's too dangerous for us to be in a relationship with them. And that, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people in our life that have hurt us, that we try to minimize that pain by pushing them away and we simply avoid them. Or we become either aggressive or passive aggressive to them and we just say, I'm fine, I forgave them a long time ago. And it's not true. And what that does is it presses against our hearts and it pushes out the act of love. It pushes out the love of God, not on his end, but on ours. Because do you know what's really happening there? Our hearts are hurting so deeply 
And our trying so difficultly, so, di so deeply to stop that from happening again, we just set up these huge areas of self-protection around our hearts. So pushing people away, being passive aggressive, um, ignoring people, you know, gossiping, all those kinds of things, those are just all ways that we are trying so desperately to take care of the parts of our hearts that are in pain. And it's only until we're very honest about those places over and over and over again that we find freedom there. Okay? So like we said in the last talk, there's nothing, we're not going around it, over it, underneath it. The only way, we're not getting over it. The only way through to the resurrected life is through. It's through. And it's through over and over and over again. This is a Paschal mystery, the suffering, death, resurrection, and also the ascension, right, of the Lord and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, where he comes right into these very places. So there's a good reason why you feel the way you do. And it may be true or not true, objectively speaking, like when you walk into a room and somebody starts laughing and they turn around, you might, first of all, your first thought might be they're talking about you. So that's an experience that you're having. It may be true, it may be not. But to honor that part of our heart and saying, okay, what's, what's going on with my heart here? Because your heart's always trying to tell you something. Your heart is always trying to tell you something. So this is how in our life, so this is how hurt happens. So say, for example, that person that you're thinking of right now, there's a reason why your heart has been hurt. Maybe it was a, a cutting comment that they made. Maybe it was something that didn't take you into consideration. Maybe it was an area of deep abuse or deep trauma. And it's only until we allow these places to be encountered by the Lord, my dear friends, it's in the encountering that our hearts are transformed. So, because here's how hurt happens. So this is usually what happens to you and I. So say, for example, that person that hurt you, I'm just going to give you a kind of a very up, upper level thing. So say, for example, it's your spouse, and you prepared lunch for your spouse, he's going out for the door, and he leaves his lunch pail there, and you're, you say, I'm like, hey, I made you lunch, and he makes some like cutting comment, and then he walks out the door. Which is hurtful, right? You're like, oh, I made you lunch, and you know, here you're not even going to take it. And then this was kind of a long spat you guys have had, and he walks out the door and mutters something about, you know, you don't listen to him or whatever, and he walks out. So we'll stop right there, okay? So the best thing for us to do at that very moment, in this, in this hypothetical example, would be to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's happening in my heart right now? What's happening? This is, this is hurtful. So to acknowledge that that was painful, whatever it is, this is painful. Jesus, what's happening to me right now, okay? Because here's what happens. Somebody in your life came and they said something to you that was unjust. The, the things that hurt us the most are the unjust things. You know, because anger, anger, really, we're talking about anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is a healthy emotion. It's a secondary emotion given to you to right what is wrong. So when we find ourselves being hurt and being angry, there's no sin in that. And it's, it's many times telling us something about our heart where our heart has been hurt. So for you to go to the Holy Spirit right there, I do this all the time, and just say, Holy Spirit, what's happening to my heart right now? That was really hurtful, and I'm feeling really angry. And there's part of me that wants to say, I will never, watch out for that very quickly, I will never, whatever that is, I will never this, I will never that. He doesn't, all, he never listens. Do you see how we go down that path very quickly, okay? Because usually these parts of our pain um, have long stories, Okay. And I would, I would say to you, and I found this true in my own life, and I, tr I find it true in the life of so many people that I journey with and the stories that I hear, usually what's happening up at the surface, right, has very little to do with what's happening up at the surface. It's hurtful up here, and yes, and amen to it, but it's hurtful up here most especially because there's some unhealed area right down here, okay? 
And maybe it's a long story in your life of being, of feeling like nobody hears you or nobody appreciates you or nobody sees you. And that's a long story. And we have to be very attentive to these places in our life, okay? So if you can stop right there and ask the Holy Spirit what's going on, what's happening, Lord, what am I feeling in my body? Tell me, what, what, what is the root of this, Lord? I'm feeling very upset right now. Just tell me, and just allow the Lord to come and speak to us in these places. What happens is, is that we stop the process from going down to a way that's really broken and really hurtful. Because for most of us, even when we were children, we came home and say the kids were picking, you on, picking on you on the playground. Very few of us had parents that could sit with us and say, what happened today? Like, what, what did the kids say? You know, is that true? What, what would Jesus say about you? I, I know parents who do this with their kids. What is the truth of who you are? You're so good and so beautiful. Can we ask Jesus, can we ask him to speak the truth to you about what the truth is here? You know? But most of us didn't have that. And most of us in our life had to find ways to survive, right, in our childhood, just, just different ways it's broken, because every family is broken to a certain extent. So we take on roles in the family, we, we find ways to survive, and what we do is we become very good at surviving. And what happens when the pain is never visited with the Lord and with people who love us, the pain just doesn't go away. It just becomes buried alive. And anything buried alive will come out a different way. Okay? So let me just share with you a, a phrase that changed my entire life that I say to people all the time. And the phrase is this, suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. Suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. So let me say this to you. Any suffering in your life, whatever it is, from the time you're in your mother's womb until now, that has yet to be transformed by the Lord, doesn't just go away. We will transmit it onto other people around us. And every single one of us here today has had other people transmit their suffering onto us. Like we talked about, you know, mom and dad, siblings, society, all of us have had suffering transmitted onto us. And let's be very honest, every single one of us has transmitted our suffering onto other people. And many times it's not even always overt, sometimes it's covert. It's the way that because our hearts have been broken and we're so bent on protecting ourselves that we can't love the people in our life the way that they deserve to be loved because our hearts have been broken, right? And then what happens is we start, like the enemy, the enemy comes, we start to believe lies about ourselves and lies about God and lies about people, and you know that, you know that happens because when something hurtful happens or when you make a mistake or when you sin, notice quickly the thoughts that go through your head. I'm so stupid. I can't, I, nobody ever listens to me, I'm all alone. See, nobody cares, I I'm, I'm always have to be here, but, Oh, friends, that's valuable information. <laughs> that is valuable information because it tells us exactly the very place where the Holy Spirit would like to come and to bring his healing power to that. The very place. Because, because of who we are as baptized Christians, we have the power in the name of Jesus Christ to renounce the places where the enemy has set up camp in our life. And one of the most powerful ways he does that is through, through how just the unhealed wounds in our life and the lies we believe about ourselves that fester, okay, and that become open wounds or they become areas of our hearts that are hard and closed. And it's right here where the Holy Spirit is so attentive to this sovereign, the sacred place of our hearts where he desires to massage our hearts to bring us back to life. In this very place, 
To stay in areas of unforgiveness or to stay in parts of our hearts where we say to ourselves, I will, I will never, or he always, all those places, those are just literal spiritual blocks in our heart and in our soul, and it doesn't stop God from loving us. It stops us from receiving his love. And then we wonder, kind of like why, for example, after a while, why life becomes kind of gray. Not that there's anything wrong with gray, but why, why life becomes kind of gray, you know? Because you can't selectively mute one emotion. You mute them all. And I think we're so afraid. We're so afraid of so much has happened in our life. We're so afraid of that and, and the places that our hearts had yet to go that we don't understand that Jesus is, like we said, he's sovereign and he's waiting for us in these places. Because, see, forgiveness is not saying that what you did didn't matter. It's not saying that you're, I'm going to let you off the hook. That's not what forgiveness is at all. That is not what Christ did for us on the cross. Nowhere in Scripture does it, does it ever have him saying as he's hanging on the cross naked for us, the bridegroom poured out for the bride. Does he ever say, hey guys, it's not a big deal. You see exactly what a big deal it is because it cost him everything. One of the reasons why forgiveness is so hard, why it's heroic, is because it requires you and I to take a full account of what happened and to be very honest about it and to allow the Lord into this place. And I tell you this, I was in religious life for a long time before I had a profound encounter about this very reality that I has, you know, I was working on, I just started my journey of healing and I was kind of coming to terms with that reality that suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. I really didn't understand that the things that perhaps happened to me as a little girl had anything to do with what, how I was living my life. Like, I just, I was very self-unaware, and it was just coming to the knowledge now of my life. And, you know, I was sober, and just all these things were happening in my life, and I wanted to keep going. But there was this person in my life who had wounded me the most in my life, and every time he would come to my mind, I would push him away. And I'm like, I don't want to think about that. I already forgave him. But I could tell by the own disposition of my own heart that wasn't true, but I didn't know any better. And I didn't want to let him off the hook because what he did to me nearly destroyed my life from the core of my being. And to this day, I have spiritual scars from what he's done. He took almost everything from me. And I was wrestling very deeply with this reality, being very honest. I mean, I'm a nun, I'm telling you this, and it's very true. So I know this journey to my own extent. One day... As I was pondering this reality, I had in my mind this image that came of the parable of the unforgiving steward, which is in the Gospel of Matthew. And unbidden, before I could censor it, I had this whole image come to my mind of this story. Of, we know the story very well where Peter approaches Jesus and he says to Jesus, you know, how, like, Lord, how often do we have to forgive? Like seven times or like seven times, you know? And the Lord's like, oh, Peter. <laughs> I tell you, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times, or 77 times, depending on the translation of that you're reading. And then Jesus tells this fascinating parable. He tells this parable of this, of this master who runs this beautiful household and who starts calling in the debts of his servants. And he calls the debt of one of his servants who owes him a lifetime of wages. Biblical scholars say it's a lifetime of wages. So what this servant is doing with the master's money, I don't know but he's horrendously mismanaging it, and he can never pay it back. And the master calls in the servant, and he calls in the debt. And the servant realizes very quickly what's about to happen to him. And he falls on his knees, and he says, please, please, I, please forgive me, I promise. I, I'll pay you back, I promise, please. 
And I love it because it's a parable, but notice the words that, the, that Jesus puts into the heart of the master. He says, moved with pity, moved with compassion, the master forgives him his entire debt. Okay? So his heart is moved at the plight if he's not saying... He's not saying that, you know, what you did didn't matter. He's not saying you don't owe me any money. He sees the truth of what is happening. And moved with compassion, he forgives him the injustice. Right? This, is, this is a huge injustice. He forgives him the injustice. That servant goes up, and he goes out into the household, and he finds a fellow servant who owes him a mere fraction of the amount, which biblical scholars say is like six months' wages. So you can see the disparity between six months and a lifetime of wages. But what happens after that is amazing because the visual imagery is so vibrant. That servant grabs his fellow servant and begins to choke him, seizes him by the collar, chokes him, and throttles him, saying, pay back what you owe. Because see, that is what it feels like when we have an injustice. It's like we're grabbing somebody, we're saying, pay back what you owe me. And that servant falls on his knees and he says verbatim, verbatim of what this other servant had just told the master, please, I promise you, just give me some time, I promise you, I'll pay you back. And that servant is having none of it. And he orders him to be sold, his family to be sold, to pay back the debt, put into prison. And the, the other servants in the house are horrified, horrified. And they go back to the master and they report the whole affair to the master. And that master calls the first servant back in, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he looks at him and he says, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? I, I forgave you your entire debt because you asked me to. But this servant of yours who owes you a mere fraction of the amount, him you can't forgive. And what I noticed is that servant says nothing, nothing. He doesn't say like, oh my gosh, you're right, I, I didn't even see it like that, or oh, yes, I, I, I understand. He says nothing. And I tell you, my dear friends, that day what happened to me, before I could censor the vision, before I could stop what was happening to me, in a singular profound moment, I saw myself in that parable. And I wasn't the benevolent master, I can tell you that. And what was happening in that moment is that I, as a grown woman, as a religious sister, in my heart, had the person, this man who had wounded me the most, who shattered my innocence as a little girl. And I had him by the collar of the shirt, and I was right in his face saying, man, you pay back what you owe me. Because you owe me. You owe me. And at that moment, I was horrified. I was horrified. And I just remember like releasing his collar and I just like backed away from him in this vision and I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go back to my addiction. I was already sober at the time. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I couldn't go on like this. And that was at the moment my real work of forgiveness began. Because see, I had to be very honest about what he had done. And can I tell you that I know this man, and to this day he's not sorry at all. So what are you supposed to do then? Live a life of bitterness, of anger, of self-destruction? 
I'd already done that. <laughs> like, didn't work out too well, wouldn't try it, you know. So what now? What now? And I would, I would offer to you, my dear friends, all of us have places like that in our heart. Whether it's big or small, all of us have places in our heart where we have somebody by the collar of the shirt or we have them pushed away and we're saying never again. And we think somehow we can go and talk to the Lord and somehow our hearts can be deeply open. And what we don't understand is that what we're doing over here is profoundly affecting this here. And what Jesus would like to do right now is he'd like to come right here and work on this over here so life becomes like this, right? Toward the Lord. Because forgiveness is not just words alone. It's not just a, you know, perfunctionatory act. It's not, it's, not, uh, just, it's not the same as reconciliation. You can forgive anybody, whether they be dead or alive. You can forgive somebody who's not sorry. You can forgive somebody at any time. Because what forgiveness is, is you, with the, with the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you with the Lord, releasing your grasp on that person and commending them back to God and allowing the Lord to take care of the situation. Because right? ju justice will be served. It just won't be served by us. And that's probably a really good thing. <laughs> but the Lord will attend to it. There's nothing in our life, my dear friends, there's nothing in our life that he will not attend to or that he hasn't attended to. And so in the places of our hearts where we find our hearts hard or we find our hearts pushing away or we find our hearts that are stagnant, Many times in my own life when I see some stagnant areas of my heart, it's usually because I have some unforgiveness or some resentment. You know, the things we ruminate about over and over and over again in our mind. You know, that person that you had a conversation with that, that you, in your mind, you've already rehearsed it 20 more times by the time you talk to them again and you say, okay, when I see them, I'm going to say this, you know. So what is that for you? Like, what is that place for you in your heart where the Lord is inviting you to surrender that part? Because forgiveness is a process. It's so beautiful. It's a process. And sometimes it takes a life long, and that's okay. It's a process. It's, it's, it's the reality of going from like a battle stance, of like a war stance, to going a stance toward, you know, turning toward Jesus on the cross and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do here. And I don't know what's best, but I know that you do. And I'm going to surrender to you. It is offering somebody an undeserved gift like the way Jesus offers an undeserved gift every single time. And that is the same if I could come all the way back around circle to the story of Les Mis from this morning. This is exactly what happened in that moment, where Jean Valjean has stolen all the silver, which is a family heirloom, where he has punched the bishop in the face, where he has violated that entire relationship, and now the police have caught him. They have the silver, they push him in front of the bishop, and they say, we caught this man who stole your silver. And at that moment, the bishop has a very important decision to make. Because he knows very well that if he turns Jean Valjean over to the police, Jean Valjean will never see the light of day ever again, ever. But there's something here that's happened that can't be denied that's happened. And it's really beautiful because in the Liam Neeson version, the bishop approaches and he's got this big black eye and he approaches Jean Valjean and he comes to him and he says, I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. I'm very angry with what you've done. So he honestly admits the truth. And then seeing the plight of Jean Valjean and the truth of what's about to happen, the policeman says, would you like us to arrest him? And the bishop looks at Jean Valjean and he's like, actually, I gave him the silver. It was a gift. He didn't lie to you. It was a gift from me.
And then he says, why didn't you take the candlesticks? They were worth 2,000 francs each. That was very foolish of you. Why don't you go take the candlesticks? I want to give them to you. He has the housekeeper go give him the candlesticks. And Jean Valjean's face is just like, what? <laughs> and he sends the police away, and he fills the silver in the bag and the silver, and he sh it's great. He like shoves it in the heart of Jean Valjean, and he pulls off his hood, and he says, with this silver, I bought your soul. And I've ransomed you from a life of fear and hatred because I know who you are. You promised you'd be a new man, and this is your chance. And Jean Valjean looks at him, he's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And he says, my brother, I give you back to God. You go in peace. What happens in that moment, my dear friends, the Victor Hugo's novel, is that it changes the course of not just Jean Valjean's life, it changes the course of the entire town. Because at that moment, he receives an undeserved gift where somebody just saw him in his vulnerability and in his mess and just loved him. And that transforms him, and it transforms the entire town. The town reverberates with this act of forgiveness. And that's the same thing that's happening in your life and my life today. Our forgiveness or unforgiveness has a ripple effect, not just in our life, but in the entire cosmos of the universe. Our yes matters, our no matters. Our decisions that we make a million times a day, these things matter. These things matter. So where in your life, my dear friends, is that person coming to your serve the surface of your heart where the Lord is inviting you either for the first time ever or to a deeper level to offer that person forgiveness? Right? And it's not to say that you don't have emotions of fear and anger and bitterness and rage. That's fine. Let's let them come out because they're trying to tell you something. And in the letting them out, let's allow the Lord to, to attend to what's at the deep heart. Okay? So just one last meditation for you today, if this is okay. And like, the, like I said, this is something that you can do at any time with the Lord. But I'm just going to just guide you through a bit of a forgiveness meditation. And I just want to once again invite you um, just to be very honest and kind of in your heart and, and where you find yourself and just to be very attentive to the, to the movements of the Holy Spirit in your heart. So we're just going to go on a little journey together. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm on a time continuum, and I'm going to go, keep going for a, a purpose, for a reason. But if you find that you need to stop at a certain place, I'm just going to ask you, go right ahead. You just go right ahead and you stay right there, okay? A couple other things I want to say before we start this is that many times, it, the, many times the person that we have in our collar, the person that we've been throttling the entire time is ourselves. Many of us have ourselves by the collar of our own shirt, so to speak, and we've berated ourselves and we've hated ourselves for areas of our life, for how we've hurt other people. Sometimes we're the perpetrators of great pain, right? And it's the same underlying thing of these areas of deep sorrow, of deep pain, where self-hatred and just, just self-condemnation has taken over and we just want to choke ourselves and throttle ourselves, and somehow we think that's holy. And if nobody's ever said this to you, I want to say, first of all, I want to say two things to you. Number one, that is not God's heart for you. He doesn't desire you to punish yourself the rest of your life. And I also want to say this to you. I'm sorry for the ways that you've suffered in your life. The things that have happened. The things that nobody even attended to. These things matter. And I'm very sorry. Because I think just as human beings, we don't often just recognize the sufferings of other people and how it's affected your heart. And the Lord wants to come and he wants to speak to us in these places. 
And I think lastly, before we begin, is that some of us are just really angry with God. (laughs) And sometimes we're afraid of that. Maybe you prayed very deeply and your spouse still passed away. Or something happened, you've had an addiction for a long time and you still have the addiction. And what happens is we often turn against God and we just unleash our wrath upon him. Or we have it there and we're afraid to do so. I just want to say first and foremost that God is neither offended nor afraid of your anger. (laughs) And if today you need to have a conversation with God about where your heart is hurting, you go right ahead. Because he would love to do that. So just once again, I'm just going to have you close your eyes, if you could. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would cover us. Just pray that you would just gently breathe upon us any place our hearts are weary. Just pray that you would speak your peace right now. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, a spirit of peace, that you would envelop each one of us right now in the safety of your love. And I just want to invite you, my dear friends, just to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind the one person who needs your forgiveness today. And it could be somebody living or deceased. It could be something that happened a long time ago. But let's not self-censor. Let's just allow the Lord to bring to mind the one person who needs your forgiveness today. And as you picture them, and you can put them close to you or far away from you, I just want to invite you just to look at that person in your heart, and just notice what you feel as you look at them. What is it like to see them, even? And you might feel nothing, or you might feel all kinds of emotions. It's okay. But just look at that person and notice what it's like in your heart to look at them. And as you look at them, I want to invite you just to take a full account of what happened and be very honest. How did they hurt you? What did they do to you? And how has it affected you this whole time? And just be very honest about that. What did they do to you? How did they hurt you? How has it affected you as you look at them? Just take a full inventory of that. And I just want to invite you in the safety of this place right here, where you are safe, where the Lord is present with us. I just want to invite you, if you're willing, maybe for the very first time, to finally look at that person in your heart and tell them to their face exactly what they've done to you. And you can say it however you want to say it, but I just want to invite you in the safety of this place to look at that person and finally tell them the truth of how they've hurt you and what it's done to your heart. And just let the whole thing out. The Lord is with you here. 
I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to bring to your heart any lies you might believe about yourself because of this. Lies that say, I'm never going to do, I can't do this, I'll never be well, I'm stupid, it was my fault, I'm damaged, things will never change, I'm not good, I'm not beautiful, whatever that is. So I just ask you, Holy Spirit, very deeply that you would bring to our heart any lies we believe about ourselves because of this pain. Just let them come to the surface. And I'm just going to invite you in the quiet of your heart, just in the quiet of your heart to repeat after me in your heart, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that. So in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever's coming to you, and be very honest, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I'm stupid. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I can never change. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie this was my fault, that I'm perverted, that I'm shameful, that I'm bad, that nobody cares about me, that I'm all alone, that nobody sees me, that I'm powerless. Whatever that is, just ask you, Holy Spirit, just to do that for us, please. And now I'm going to ask the Lord to speak the truth to you. So Jesus, I just pray right here in this place that you would speak the truth of who we are right here. What is the truth? I'm seen. That God cares about me. That with him I can do all things. That I'm loved. That I'm beautiful. He never leaves me nor forsakes me, whatever that is. I just ask, Holy Spirit, what is the truth of who we are right here? And if you're willing, I'm just going to invite you to bring that person with you to the foot of the cross once again at Calvary. And you can put that person wherever you want. You can put them close to the cross. You can put that person far and away in a field. But I just want to invite you to bring that person with you, whoever it is, and just place them somewhere in the scene at the foot of the cross. And could both of you look at the face of Christ, who loves you so deeply. His heart is poured out for you. And he sees you. He knows the pain of your heart. He knows every facet of it. And he loves you so deeply. What is it like to see him look upon you, to gaze upon you from there? And what is it like to see him look at that person who's hurt you? For he knows their story and he knows exactly why they did what they did. They probably don't, but he does. And he loves them. And his heart is to heal you both. So would you be willing today, my dear friends, to ask Jesus to forgive that person? 
just to open your heart to whatever's coming to the surface and just to ask Jesus to forgive them. Jesus, I ask that you please forgive that person for they know not what they do. Jesus, please forgive them. And if you're willing, my dear friends, could you, in your mind's eye, in your heart there, could you bring that person a little closer to you so you can see their face? And would you be willing today, maybe for the first time, or in a new way, to, through the grace of Christ, choose to forgive that person? To look at that person and say, today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I choose to forgive you. I choose to release my grasp upon you, and I surrender you to Jesus. I no longer seek revenge or to justify myself for you. I release you. And I ask you, Jesus, to heal this situation to heal my heart, to heal their heart. And to heal us both. I just want to invite you just to be very attentive to notice what's happening in your heart right now, whatever it may be. Jesus, I just ask that your precious blood would cover each one of us right now. That you would envelop our heart in this place, that you would seal these graces, and that you would open our heart to you. Jesus, I pray that you who have begun a good work here will see it to completion. And I just pray very deeply for your hearts and, and all these areas for the person who's hurt you, wherever they are. Just pray for healing upon them right now. Lord, we ask forgiveness for all the people that we have hurt in our life. And Lord, I pray that even now you'd begin to make these things new. That a new seed of hope would be born in our life. And a new outpouring of joy. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into our hearts and set us free. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saint Rita, pray for us. What we did, my dear friends, and this is something that I can send, I have, I have this in a step-by-step -step outline, I could send to Monsignor if you're interested, and I, I mean, if he could just distribute that to you, you're, you're most welcome to, to use that at any time, and that's something that I do very often in my life, you know, and it just helps keep my heart open, and I, and I just want to say this to you, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little person, and I'm certainly on the journey with you, and I, I'm learning things every day, and as I mentioned to you, the person that has hurt me the most, I, I, I know him, and he, like I said, he's not sorry. And I don't know on this side of heaven if he ever will be to my face. And he is a sovereign mystery unto himself. And I don't know all the story, but I, I do know that he has some seriously broken and sorrowful parts of his own heart. 
and that what he probably did was just transform or transmitted his suffering onto me. But I can tell you this. If I ever get to heaven, if I ever make it there, I want him there too. Because God loves him, and he is precious to the Lord. And I pray for him, and I fast for him. And I hope that one day he too will know the freedom of Christ, because you know what? This is hard. But if this is the way that God has designed my life, to shatter my heart open so I can love people, then I'm, it's worth it. It's worth it. And I say yes and amen to it. And I just pray that the Lord continues to open our hearts in these places where we are free to love, where, where hope finds a home in our hearts and in the hearts of the people that have hurt us the most through the grace of Jesus Christ. Because that's what it means to be human. And I know in your heart you have the same places there as well. And may the Lord, once again, may the Lord make all things new. So God bless you. It's been a long day, huh? <laughs> but, so God bless you, yeah. Sister Miriam Heidland on the healing power of the Holy Spirit from the Charismatic Retreat held at St. Peter Cathedral on May 23rd and 24th. Next Saturday at 7 p.m. you'll hear the fifth and final part of the series right here on WNOA 103.9 FM, Catholic Radio for the UP. Only one thing is necessary.